We'll be in John chapter 7, looking at verse 31 through the end of the chapter. So we'll read the verses first and then come back and comment on them. John chapter 7, verse 31. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? Notice it's in the form of a question. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Where will he go? that we shall not find him. Will he go unto the dispersed among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What manner of saying is this that he said? You shall seek me and shall not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. In the last day of the great great, uh, day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the Spirit, whom they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Again, a question. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David, and out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him, and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and said unto him, Why have ye not brought him? The officers said, Never man spoke like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth not our our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Our Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading of the Scriptures. Do open our hearts and minds to the Word of God and teach us out of the things herein by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, as we look at this passage this afternoon, we see some uh, wonderful things concerning the Lord that He is saying here, not only to the multitude, but He even says them openly in front of the rulers and the Pharisees, as it were, who were actually his enemies, for they sought to destroy him. And uh, we find that Jesus then um, has some words which to many were greatly confusing. And uh, to his own disciples, perhaps, uh, they had questions because uh, we find many of... uh, the people of the day. Some believed that he was a prophet. Some believed he was the Christ. Others simply said, can a prophet or can someone of this caliber, such as the Messiah, come out of Galilee? And so they still had questions concerning Christ. Uh, But yet the chief priests and the Pharisees and the rulers, of course, they were very troubled because they felt that Jesus was a threat to their religious uh, rule. 
Well, this afternoon we'd like to look at uh, several areas here, um, as I have it on the board here. First of all, the theme is Jesus' river of living water. He speaks about that, that uh, the Spirit would come at some point, and then out of the heart of those who believed upon the Lord Jesus would flow the Spirit as a river of living water. And so uh, we know that Jesus uh, promises the, uh, the coming of the Spirit of God. And uh, that the scripture says that uh, it had not yet come, the Spirit had not yet come, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Meaning Jesus had not yet gone to the cross and suffered and died and buried and rose and had not yet ascended unto the Father. And so uh, at a later time, we know on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit would descend upon those who were there, that many uh, were saved, uh, many, many thousands of people were saved at that time, and the Spirit of God filled them. And uh, they, every man heard the gospel in their own language. So at that time, Jesus would truly uh, bring forth the Spirit of God as a river flowing out of the hearts of people. Uh, first of all, he says, I go unto him that sent me. And uh, of course, uh, this confused them all together because uh, they could not see why. They could not uh, know where he is going or be able to find him even. Um, and yet we know that um, those who were unbelieving and without faith in Christ uh, did not even know who he was, much less understand that he would go to be with the Father when he uh, suffered and died for the sins of the world. And secondly, uh, the prophecy concerning the Holy Spirit is seen in verses 37 to 39 here. And uh, so at the end of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and made this announcement concerning that if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Well, you know, Jesus did say something similar to the Samaritan woman at the well, and uh, that she was greatly uh, troubled by the things that he said insomuch that uh, she realized that he must truly be a prophet and perhaps even the Christ. And she began to question the Lord and she even went into her own town and did spread the news concerning him, that is the Lord, who knew everything ever I did. And so we find that Jesus uh, begins to say things that were somewhat confusing uh, to people, but nonetheless they were prophetic concerning his ability to give the Spirit of God and the true hope of salvation and life in, in him. And then thirdly, many held a divided opinion about Jesus, and of course the uh, religious rulers held a divided opinion. Nicodemus had questioned him before, and uh, was perhaps at this time um, his interest was piqued so much that he could not condemn the Lord Jesus, and so rather he took his side and made certain statements that the law does not condemn a person until they are heard. And so um, Nicodemus uh, stood up for the Lord, you might say. And the crowd, the crowd had many things to say about Christ, but when it came to the populace, uh, the people who were kind of outside of the fringe of those who were religious rulers, just the common people, uh, they were beginning to think that, well, if he is truly the Messiah, and he is doing all of these miracles as he is doing them, um, who could do more than what he is doing? Um, in other words, uh, they said, well, he must be the Messiah then. And so this kind of, of talk among the, among the people was, uh, was troubling to the religious rulers and the Pharisees. They were, they were concerned that he actually might become much more of a problem than they could handle. 
And so they began to uh, seek to do away with Christ if they could. And uh, so we find that there was a divided opinion about, uh, about the Lord Jesus. Well, let's look at each one of these just for a few moments here this afternoon. And we begin with verse 31. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? And so actually many of the people did believe on the Lord Jesus. And uh, we know that this tentative belief on Christ at the time was very fragile, of course. Um, he said, we would like to think that their belief is genuine, of course, uh, as we think about people. You know, there are many today, you might say, well, you ask them if they believe about on Jesus, they would say, yes, I believe on Jesus. But how serious-minded are they about that belief? Uh, you may, may even know some people who say they believe, but they don't go to church, they don't seem to do anything that really stands out for uh, their Christian faith, if they are true believers. And there were many like that, of course. But this crowd of people, which was uh, seeing and hearing and witnessing many of the miracles that Christ was doing, uh, they were being uh, very much influenced by the things that they heard and they saw. And so if, if Jesus was not the Messiah, um, they said, would he be able to do more wonderful signs than he is doing? You see, the implication was, they said, they said, was thinking in their hearts, he must be. He must be the Messiah. And, you know, we think about, uh, from at this particular vantage point that we're in, in the 21st century, as opposed to the 1st century, when we think about the, the testimony and witness of Christ of Scripture, and when we think about the testimony and witness of Christ of the followers of the Lord Jesus, those who have died in faith, those who have lived and, and believed and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, all of this is um, very much a witness and a sign of who Jesus is. I mean, you might say, well, it's kind of like circumstantial evidence, you know, to many people. But uh, the testimony of the Word of God and the fact that many have been followers of Christ throughout these numbers of centuries since the first century church, the fact that prophecy has come true, the fact of of uh, the authority of Scripture and of the, um, really, the sense that Scripture has come true in many, many ways throughout these thousands of years, uh, we could say, or many should think, well, is there, is there any more signs that could be made concerning this person called Jesus? Why shouldn't we believe in him? Why shouldn't people believe in the Lord Jesus? And yet we find that there is a very much a divided opinion, isn't there? Many call Jesus only a good person. Uh, many call Jesus, um, well, they might even say he's a charlatan. That he said he was something that he wasn't. Um, many might say, well, he's a fraud. Uh, he didn't really resurrect from the grave. That was just... Uh, kind of a rumor that was going around that has become substantiated by his followers. Um, but yet we find that these things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ were not only historically grounded and founded in truth, that the scriptures give testimony of the Lord Jesus, and that the followers of the Lord Jesus give testimony by their witness and by their life and by the continuation of the gospel of Christ. It is basically unchanged since the first century. This truth concerning Christ is unchanged in its scripturalness, in its true sense of what, of what the gospel of Christ is. It's unchanged. Now, there may be people who wanted to pervert it, but as far as those who are true followers of Christ, it is completely unchanged. And so why shouldn't people believe? Why shouldn't people also today say, could he do more? 
Could he be more? Could he show more wonderful signs? Could he have done anything more to prove that he is truly the Messiah? And of course, uh, from their question, they believed the miracles of Jesus and that it proved him as the true Messiah of God. But yet we find that there were many who turned away. And I guess that's the kind of the sad thing, isn't it? Though there is all of these proofs, the Word of God, the inspiration of the Bible, the fact of the first century church and its continuation since the time of the first century, and even you as believers now today testifying of Christ and living the life of those who are true followers of Christ, yet people will not believe. Yet many do not believe. And uh, we find that that is, that is kind of sad in a way. But at the same time, we realize that there is a good reason for it. Because their lack of belief, because the lack of the opportunity to turn to Christ when they had it, they live in darkness, and they continue to live in sin, and they continue to live in unbelief. Because unlike many who would say that God has everybody like a puppet on a string. The actual reality of it is that every person is responsible for their own sin and for their own unbelief. Every person is responsible for their own sin and for their own unbelief. And if they miss the opportunity, it is their own fault. And if they remain in darkness in that sin, it is their own fault. And of course there are many who remain in darkness and in sin because they will not believe. Well secondly, uh, we see here that the prophecy concerning of the Holy Spirit is given. So we'd just like to read a few more scriptures here concerning that. Let's read 32 and following. The, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Now what things were they murmuring? They were, they were saying in effect can this man do any more miracles and any more signs than he has done to show that he is the Christ? <laughs> That's what the Pharisees were hearing. In other words they were they were they were talking like he must be the real one. So now the Pharisees have gotten really kind of perturbed about this and, and troubled over it. And so they sent uh, priests and officers to take him. That's in verse 32. They, they wanted to take him. Um, then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Now this course troubled them even more. Uh, because um, Jesus is actually making a prophetic statement of things that were going to happen. That one day he would leave them uh, physically, uh, he would die, and um, he would go back to the Father who sent him in the beginning. And so he is, he is telling them of the sense that he would be killed, and that um, even as he came as the incarnate Christ, he would go back to be with the Father in heaven and so he would ascend unto him unto the father who sent him in verse 34 you shall seek me and shall not find me and where I am there you cannot come well we say who is he addressing here well probably primarily the Pharisees and, the, and those religious rulers and the multitude I would say perhaps you know that how many people was right there with him at Capernaum at that time when these things were being said uh, we don't know exactly but there was a representative number of people and and certainly we know that Jesus um, would be speaking to those who had not yet fully accepted that he was the Christ and it's kind of like saying, well, this is your opportunity right now. This is your opportunity right now. Um, because I won't be with you forever. And uh, I'm going to leave. And you can't follow me. 
And I'm going back to him that sent me. So this is your opportunity. In other words, there can be missed opportunities. A missed opportunity to come to Christ. Then said the Jews among themselves, Where will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Well, we know there probably wasn't a great number of people, of Jews, who were dispersed. Oh, remember of these, these 70 years of captivity, the 400 years of silence, and we know that everybody didn't return to Jerusalem after the captivity. A large number of people came back, yes, but there was, uh, you know, the, the influence of intermarriage and so forth among the Greek-speaking people, among the Gentiles, not only probably kept some people away, but this was a time when probably people were traveling too, and everybody wasn't at Jerusalem. Well, even today, there is a great dispersion of the, of the Jews around the world. And they've been coming back to, to Israel in great numbers. And uh, even New York City, uh, you know, I think has maybe a million or so uh, Jewish people in New York City to say nothing of the other countries of the world. And so there is a great dispersion even today. And they thought, well, maybe he's going unto the dispersion and he is going to tell them of the things that concerning himself and, and teach them, you see. And so they had all these ideas, but uh, they, they weren't the right ones, of course. Well, missed opportunity does mean that, doesn't it? Many people have ideas about Jesus, but because they don't have the right ideas, it becomes a missed opportunity to turn to Christ for the right reason. And so people, you know, people who think he was just a good teacher, they don't see him as a savior. People who think Jesus was, was uh, a fraud, well, of course, they're not going to take him seriously anyway. And people who see Jesus as just a kind of a religious fanatic who wanted his own little band of followers. You know, we'll see him probably as a charlatan or somebody who's just just trying to uh, become famous in his own day. Some notoriety or other. In other words, people have their own reasons why they disc discount the things that Christ is saying. Even today, we, they do that. They di many discount things that Christ is saying. It's just, it's just not relevant for today. They say, our culture is, is, has changed. That was a different time, a different place. That, that was, in other words, they're not seeing the scripture for what it is, the authoritative word of God. And so they, they, do, they do not take the opportunity to turn to Christ. And so these, these religious rulers, the people in, in that day, who were undecided about Christ... Um, they could not quite put the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, we, we know that it takes the Spirit of God to turn a heart toward to the Lord. It takes the Spirit of God. But as many as receive Him, to them gave He the power to be called the sons of God or the children of God. He came unto His own and His own received Him not. In John chapter 1. And then 112. We see, there were many who didn't receive him at all. They didn't know who he was. And there were others who missed the opportunity. And, you know, perhaps that brings up another set of questions to you. How can we get people to understand that Jesus is truly the Christ? How can we do that? Well, let's, re let's remember what, what's going on here. This is Jesus. This is, this is not you and I that's talking here. This is Jesus. In other words, if Jesus couldn't convince him them with his own words, what chance have we got? <laughs> and so, <clears throat> I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm just saying that to say this. Unbelief is a very dark place to be. If somebody is in unbelief and they won't, will not turn to the Lord, that is not your fault. Just as it was not Jesus' fault that these people would not believe Him. I mean, He is the, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He was God Himself in human flesh. And still they didn't recognize. But He continued to give the message, didn't He? 
that we should take away from this narrative and realize that later he would tell his disciples to do the same thing. He would tell them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. So in, 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 in fact, we are not to pay attention to whether or not we can convince them or persuade them. When that is not our job. Our job is to tell them. Jesus told them. Jesus was telling them. Some of them believed, some of them did not. Some of them were questioning. The Pharisees did not want to believe in Christ. And they had their reasons too. Missed opportunities, you see. There are people who will miss the opportunity. But Jesus continued to tell them the truth. And that is what we have to do. We have to continue to tell the truth. We can do nothing else. In verse 35, Then said the Jews among themselves, Where will he go? And they thought he might be going unto the dispersion, the dispersed Jews, or the Greeks. Verse 36, What manner of saying is this, that he said, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, there ye cannot come. So again, it underscored the fact that they couldn't quite get it. They didn't understand And then we find that uh, Jesus tells them concerning a very important prophecy concerning his Holy Spirit. Now, I I put a little bit of a commentary in your bulletin. You may have read it already uh, here, which I thought was quite interesting, which I hadn't really run across previously, but the Believer's Bible Commentary gives this little um, explanation, he says, Though not mentioned in the Old Testament, the Jews had a ceremony of carrying water from the pool of Shalom and pouring it into a silver basin by the altar of burnt offering for each of the first seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, you may remember at the pools of Bethesda, uh, the pools that were there were water um, conduits uh, that were used in conjunction with the temple. And, well, of course they had to use water. There was a great deal of need for water. But at this particular time, with the Feast of Tabernacles, a celebration of um, their coming out of Egypt and their living in booths, and so the rejoicing over coming out of the wilderness and into the Promised Land, uh, this whole Feast of Tabernacles was a traditional thing that they carried on. But he says, On the eighth day this was not done, which made Christ offer the water of eternal life even more startling. So it seems, according to the tradition at least, although Christ doesn't say that here, uh, but he mentions the water, the Jewish people had gone through this religious observance, and yet their hearts were not satisfied because they had not truly understood the deep meaning of the feast just before they departed for their homeland or homes on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out to them. He invited them to come to him for spiritual satisfaction, paying particular attention to the words, his invitation was extended to anyone. His gospel was a universal gospel. There was no one who could not be saved if he would simply come to Christ. Well, all of that really um, is very much in harmony with what we know of the Spirit's work, of the Holy Spirit's work. And so in the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And so Jesus is, uh, of course, uh, spoken of as the water of life or the bread from heaven. We find that these two elements, bread and water, are the main uh, nutrition which we need to live physically. And we find that spiritually, 
we know that the Spirit of God had to do a great work in the hearts of people in order for them to live in true spiritual wholeness in Christ. True spiritual wholeness. And so we find that Jesus tells them, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or out of his belly, as the King James uses it here, shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so as much as one part of the scripture explains to us about this water uh, that Jesus would give to them, the next portion of the scripture explains that it is the Spirit of God that he is speaking about. Now what concerning the Spirit of God? Well, we know that the Spirit of God is necessary for life, for spiritual life. In John chapter 3, we're reminded of what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. And the idea of being born again is to be born from above. To be born from above. And so the illustration or the prophecy, if you will, given here is one which is very important. Uh, If anyone thirsts, to thirst, of course, here speaks of the spiritual need. If you're thirsty, you go to a well of water um, and you partake of some water. And Jesus uses this then to say that there are thirsty spiritual souls who need a savior. And uh, he is trying to pique their attention to the fact of their need, their spiritual need. And so unless a person knows he is a sinner, he will never want to be saved. And I think it was uh, the pastor this morning who might have mentioned in in the morning message that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And, what, uh, and so the schoolmaster teaches us what our need is. And so the law teaches us that we are sinners. And you will find if you read many of the old divines who, who preached uh, evangelistic messages in many years gone by, they always started with the law of God to get people lost. And if they could get them lost, then they'd they'd give them the gospel to get them saved. (laughs) And of course the same thing is true today. You have to get a person lost before you can save them. If they think they are righteous already and and safe, it's difficult to save a person who's who's self-righteous and is doing good works and everything is fine and they don't think they have any sin. Uh, You can't save a person who who thinks that they are self-righteous are already good enough for heaven. Oh, I'll make it, I'm good enough, you know. Uh, No, a person has to be a sinner to be saved. They need a savior. And so, um, just think about who Jesus went to. He went to the publicans and sinners. He went to the common people. The Pharisees wouldn't listen to him. They were already self-righteous and thought they were safe. But... uh, the, 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 the widow, uh, well, I shouldn't say she was a widow, evidently she might have been perhaps, but she was with, had five husbands and one, on, one kind of hanging on the string and she came to the well to get water and she was very much in need of, of being saved and she knew it. And there's a number of different incidents, of course, you can pick out of the Bible where Jesus spoke to these people who were obviously sinners and in need. Well, what about Mary Magdalene? I mean, you know, obviously she, she was in need of a savior. And, uh, and so people must be, must recognize that they are sinners in order to be saved. Um, 
unless he realizes, unless the person realizes that they are lost, they will never desire to be found. Unless one is conscious of the great spiritual lack in their life, they will never want to go to the Lord to have their needs supplied. And so what does he say? He says, come unto me. Come unto me. And, uh, and he says, I will give you to drink of the water of life. I'll give you to drink. So verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. So here again, um, we find that this water uh, is uh, representative here of the nature of the Spirit of God to flow into the heart of man and out through him. And uh, that we are saved not by our own righteousness, but we are saved through the work of the Spirit of God. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5, and 6. And so this washing of the regeneration, this, this water of life, the Spirit of God does that work in, in the heart of an individual. And the renewing of the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of an individual. Well, David said and prayed in Psalm 51, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because he was fearful that because of his sin, that the Lord may withdraw his spirit like he did with Saul. Remember Saul? He had a problem in that area. Uh, so here we find Jesus you know, saying that, that he was going to bring the Spirit of God, this, this river of living water which would flow into the hearts and out of the hearts of people. Verse 39, But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so, does this limit the Spirit of God in the Old Testament? Not at all. No. The Spirit of God was very active. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God was, the Spirit of God was very active even from the beginning of the book of Genesis as the Spirit of God brooded upon the face of the waters. And the Spirit of God was all throughout the Old Testament. But to indwell a believer, now that is different. The Spirit of God came upon people in the Old Testament, but the Spirit of God indwells the believer after Jesus is glorified. Those who believe upon him, the Spirit of God indwells them. And so those who have any sense of notion that they have to receive a second blessing after they have been saved are quite mistaken. There is only one giving of the Spirit of God and that's when one comes to faith in Christ. Except for the fact that we must be filled with the Spirit of God. 1 John 2.20 with that holy unction that God gives. And so that filling of the Spirit of God is something whereby it is a sanctifying process, a sanctifying work of God to infill us on a daily basis whenever it is needed that we may be yielded unto the Spirit of God. Well, um, enough of that. Let's go on to the last point here. Many held a divided opinion about Jesus. So from verse 40, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. I remember they said something similar like this about John the Baptist. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, this is a question that's been posed before. And so they're, what they're, what they're, they, have, they have a divided opinion about him. Well, he, is he just a great prophet? Is he, is he the Christ? Or is it possible that... How can Christ come out of the, the city of Galilee? How can Christ do that? When he's supposed to come out of Bethlehem. 
Well, all of this just shows us that divided opinion only means that many are ignorant of the truth. For uh, those who had studied the scrolls, the manuscripts, if you will, the writings of the scribes and the Pharisees should have known that, yes, the Messiah was to come out of the city of David in Bethlehem, and they should have known that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. They should have known that. And that he just so happened to move to the city of Galilee for a period of time. But he was truly born of the city of David. Let's see, so all these questions being posed, well, that's just a, a, a kind of a... Uh, um, Situation where we realize many people don't go on the true facts. They just kind of gossip about things a little bit. And there were many who were doing that. They were just giving their own opinion and asking these questions. Uh, and so there was this divided opinion. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Then it says, hath not the scriptures said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was. Well, yes, the scripture does say that. But still, there, there was so much of a divided opinion that they did not really research about much about Christ himself to find out where he did come from. They just uh, kind of jumped to these conclusions. So there was a division among the people because of him and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. So basically, these probably these religious rulers were the ones who were posing most of the questions. Remember, the common people already had kind of decided, well, can anybody else do any more miracles than this man? He must be the Christ. But the religious rulers were kind of like saying, well, they were posing all these uh, kind of traditional questions which would kind of throw a division among the people. And they couldn't even decide themselves what this man was, who this man was. And I guess when, you know, when we stop and think about it, divided opinions are very difficult to dislodge in people's thinking. It's kind of like a doctrinal opinion. You know, if you, if you take a doctrinal opinion like the doctrine of election or predestination or foreordination, some of these things, and everybody has such a divided opinion about them, it's hard to dislodge somebody's thinking on these subjects. God, in other words, God the Spirit has to do it. I remember years ago when I was at Bible college, you know, we, we studied all of these different kinds of, of doctrinal views about election and predestination and foreordination and, and so forth. As, we, as young pastors do, they, they debate them constantly. And, uh, and in other words, as you, as you talk about these things, you can only come to a conclusion that God settles on your heart. As you, and this is true of the scriptures, isn't it? You study the scriptures, you go from this portion to this portion, you study it back and forth, and you, you, you pray about it, and you ask the Spirit of God to give you some sense of what it really says. Is salvation by grace alone and through faith? Or is baptism involved? Is baptism part of salvation? Oh, what about the good works thing? Can I do some good works and that will help me out too? What about church membership? Is it okay if I just join the church and maybe, maybe that will kind of seal the whole thing? You see what I mean? Uh, either God is the, 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 true sense of, the true salvation of man or else there are these other things kind of add to it, right? In other words, God has to bring a true sense of understanding to your own heart and mind by the Spirit of God. That's the, the true sense of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is our final teacher. And in fact, the first John passage in 2.20 to 2.27 really kind of says that. The Spirit of God is our final teacher. And, and so when it comes to 
who Jesus was, they were not asking God to give them the understanding. They were trying to come out with the answer themselves. And it wasn't working. Because they, they were too blindsided. They're too blind by the whole thing. And so we find that uh, the divided opinion was hard to dislodge from the thinking of the people. And if you are trying to teach somebody something in the scriptures, and that person is a believer, you, you may have to have a little patience because God will have to ultimately teach it to them. He'll have to be the, the one to kind of seal the truth to their hearts if they're struggling over some very difficult and hard doctrinal truth. You may tell them, but God the Spirit has got to teach it to them. So be patient with people when they don't understand. As uh, we find that Christ really was patient with the people he was talking to as well. He was very patient with them. And so here um, we notice that still the divided opinion of the Pharisees was really very much a real thing. Verse 45, Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? Um, you know, these religious rulers wanted to take him. They wanted to get rid of him. Um, he's, he's a problem. See, way back in verse 33, the chief priests sent officers to take him. In verse 33. Now in verse 45, they, they still haven't gotten him yet. They, they still are looking to find some way to capture the Lord Jesus. The officers answered, and no doubt to the Pharisees and so forth, and uh, what did they answer? Never man spoke like this. I mean, they were marvel. They were just, the words of Jesus cause you to think and marvel over them. Uh, Jefferson, who kind of cut out much out of the scripture, but he did save the words of Jesus. He was marveling over the words of Jesus, but he questioned a lot of the other, the other portions of scripture. Not to his credit, by the way, but it, the words of Christ do make one think. And, uh, and so here was Jesus. He was, he was making these people think. And uh, so much more that the officers couldn't quite say, I think he, we ought to take him. They just didn't do it. Of course, we know God is behind that. Verse 47, Then answered them, the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? So the Pharisees kind of accused them, thinking that they had become deceived. The, the officers. Uh, verse 48, Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? They want to know if they have some defection among their group now. But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Um, and so there's some more accusations here, believing that they are cursed. Verse 50, Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth. And so Nicodemus, I mean, he, he comes down on the side of Christ and says he's trying to be somewhat neutral, but yet he's trying to say, well, are you listening to your, your own law here? You can't take him until you, you hear him. You haven't even talked to him really yet and about these things. He has to come before us to, to talk to us. So Nicodemus was standing up for Christ. And uh, verse 52 they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Uh, they didn't think that any, any significant person ever came out of Galilee. But I recently read that Jonah, the prophet, was of Galilee. And they evidently had forgotten that God had called a prophet out of Galilee. <laughs> In verse 52 then, they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. But they forgot Jonah. Verse 53, And every man went unto his own 
house. They said the crowd dispersed after this. The crowd dispersed at this point. And you know, if, if people are honest concerning who Jesus is, they also go away to their homes thinking with much to think about concerning Christ. And perhaps that is our greatest goal in trying to witness to people. Since God has to do the saving anyway, if we can get them to think about what has been said in the scriptures and about who Christ truly is in the, in, according to the word of God, if we can get them to think about it and they go away thinking about it, perhaps they will yet believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it was Spurgeon in his particular period of time when he was preaching, being such a great preacher himself, that he preached up to 20,000 people at a time sometimes, that um, he instituted what was called the inquiry room. But it wasn't the same day that he preached. In fact, he seldom heard them the same day, if they had any interest. It was the next day. He sent them away, and he said, if you have any interest, come back tomorrow, and I will hear you. And so these went away, not knowing. Out of Jesus flows rivers of living water, because the Spirit of God would come when Jesus was glorified. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we ask for your blessing upon your word and by your spirit that you will stir our hearts up that we might fulfill the great commission. In Jesus' name, amen.